I really want to minister something this morning, and there's stuff I'm going to show you. I thought to myself, should I actually show this stuff? All right, so um, are we mature enough to handle certain things, right? So uh, you have to ask, you're going to have to, you'll know by the time you've, you've listened to this. And it's, it's um, the important thing is this, is that when you see some stuff, there's, there's a couple of ways you can go. You can either become a, a fruit loop, right? Or you become, become fearful, or you actually understand what's going on and know how to combat this and how to live an effective Christian life. But to actually put our heads in the sand, as many Christians do, Many, many churches do and think that stuff is not happening. We need to think again. And we need to actually uh, uh, understand. But, but what is important is, is I give you some of the stuff this week and next week, but really teach you the Word. Because ultimately, without us increasing our capacity, without us increasing our capacity, we, we, we're going to find it very difficult to stand. Mm-hmm. You know, every generation thought that they were in the end days. Every, every generation. Those who were alive in the Second World War, none of you here, um, thought that perhaps they're in the, 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 the end days and, and uh, it's, it's Jesus is coming back. And, you know, often I hear that. I hear people say, yes, you know, every generation thinks that we were living in the end days and uh, they thought, but we're still here. Right? Except for one thing, except for one thing. No generation has ever seen the fulfillment of prophecy like this generation. No generation concerning Israel, because Israel is the signpost. It's the signpost. So when God said He would gather Israel, we find that in Ezekiel, we see that in Isaiah, everywhere. Nowhere in the the world has it ever been done. Isaiah says, can a nation be born in a day? And that's talking about Israel. And Israel was born in a day. So no generation has seen what we see. But yet, we can be so focused on just trying to live our lives that we actually don't want to even entertain certain things because it's perhaps maybe just too difficult and it requires a response of maturity from us. Because look, there are a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there that, that um, you know, can, can just take you off the path and uh, remove your focus from Jesus. And the key to all of this is actually to say, Lord, increase my capacity. Increase my capacity for you. Because I believe that, that, that irrespective of what happens, that the church has to be revived. The church has to operate in revival because without the church operating in revival, there is no hope anywhere. And this nation right now is under severe pressure, severe pressure. I mean, we're printing money like it's going out of fashion, like everywhere else in the world, actually causing pressure to come on future generations. All right? Just think about it. Just think about the hundreds and hundreds of the, the, the tens and tens of thousands of PCR tests that are taking place every single day. Who's paying for that? Your grandchildren will pay for it. Amen. Mm-hmm. Money's been printed like at a, a rapid rate of knots. Who's where does it come from? Amen. And so 
So we, we need a lot more uh, of a mature outlook as to where we stand, where the church is, ultimately the church corporate, that we understand where we are going. So we are living in a day and a time where we see the fulfillment of things, Israel becoming a nation. We see now uh, enter in Rosh and Magog and Gog out of Ezekiel 38. We see that's a, a player right now, what's happening in, in, in Russia, Ukraine right now, right? All of that. It's all there. But we don't live in a fear. We don't live in suspicion. We live with faith. We live and we understand, God, you have us here on planet earth for a time such as this. And that should stir your faith to say, God, we have a purpose on this planet whilst we are here. Amen. And so we're going to look at some videos that will challenge you a little bit. Like I said, uh, we can either just brush it off and say, okay, well, or we can understand that in the context of the word and actually help us to to have a, a more of a mature view of why we exist on planet earth. Amen? And so, some things that were perhaps a conspiracy a while back, it's no longer a conspiracy. It's fact. Amen? I mean, being told that by 2030, uh, you will own nothing and be happy about it, whoopee-doo. Right? Climate change control. I mean, did you know that when we are moving to a digital currency, this is reality, and uh, uh, social, social credits, that, 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 that there will come a time where, where they can program the, dig, the currencies to say, okay, uh, you've, you've used too much petrol this week, bam, that's it. No more travel for you for the rest of the month. Oh, oh, oh you, you bought too much from Maccas, bam. <laughs> Not a bad thing, right? Okay, so, so these are the realities that are happening. Whether we like to believe it or not, you can say, well, I just don't know anything about it, so it doesn't bother me. That's okay. But, the, but, what, but what everything does require in the day and the time in which we live is that we actually have a lot more of a mature mindset and we actually understand why we are here right now on planet Earth. Amen. We saw in Canada that, that anybody who gave money towards truckers, and listen, if it's a democracy, you can give money. They just shut all their bank accounts like that. Bam. Just like that. So if you gave $50, bam, they shut your account. I, I, we saw this week, actually, uh, or last week, that, that, that the banks shut our accounts, the church, we've got a lot of different accounts, all right, they shut it just like that, because they did not have a license number, uh, uh, like my personal license number, car license number, bam, like that, for two days. We had no control over that, Right? It shows you. So, so I thought, well, should I even talk about this? But when I saw what, what actually how easy it was for them to do that without any warning, without anything, bam, like that. Right? Amen. There's nothing wrong with our accounts, just so you know. So let's go to 1 John. Let, well, well, just think about this. If you own a Tesla in Russia, they asked, they've asked... Um, uh, uh, Elon Musk to shut off Tesla cars. They've shut Netflix. They've shut MasterCard. They've shut Visa like that, right? Just like that, bam. So you think you're not under control by something? 
That's why we've got to become stronger in God and understand our purpose. Now, I talk about these things because a lot of people don't even want to hear this. Right? Come on, let's be real. Let's get real. We don't want to hear this. Because, uh, because we've been led to believe through the years that it's only the loonies that talk about this. The loony tunes. Now, now, now what I want to say to you is don't, that's not your focus. The gospel is your focus. Uh, the purpose of Christ is your focus. Amen. But it is important to understand that, that in the context of what is happening in the world, how we, uh, where we stand and what we ought to do and understand Scripture. So when the Bible says that we must not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, it's not just talking about your little attitude and my little attitude. It's talking about a bigger thing. What affects world thinking? What affects the minds of people? Amen. I mean, one of the parents told me that, that, that um, the, 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 the child had, had gotten sick this week and the child had been at school and, and came home and said, Mom, am I going to die? Where did they learn that? Where did they learn that? What is influencing the minds of our children? What is influencing the minds of people? Right? So we understand that it's, it's important that we renew our minds and we take responsibility for what comes our way and we grow in the Word of God and we grow stronger than ever before and we enlarge our capacity. Amen? And I'm anything but a conspiracy theorist and I ain't a loony tune, but I'll tell you there are some realities out there. Amen? So 1, 1 John chapter 4, let's look at this. 1 John chapter 4. If you come to church this morning and you didn't know you were going to hear this, well, now you know. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It says, Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world. So he says, Yes, the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, verse 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in, in you is greater than he who is in the world. So I know that we walk around quoting this scripture Great is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will not submit to buying that hamburger because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You know, ultimately, the Bible is talking here about the spirit of the Antichrist, it's talking about something way bigger than the issues that we face every single day of our lives. Amen? Come on. He's talking about something way bigger. And he's saying that the one who is in you, Christ in you, is greater than the Spirit who is operating in mankind and in the system. The, the Holy Ghost on the inside of you is far greater than those forces which are coming against you and which are trying to sway the world. That's what the Bible's teaching us. Amen? And we've got to get this. And he says... He says in verse 5, he says, They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. So in other words, uh, uh, the, world does, the, the world actually hears the spirit of the Antichrist and goes with that. But those who are born again and saved and washed in the blood of Jesus and are full of the Holy Ghost don't go with the stuff that has been brought in through the spirit of the Antichrist. That's what the Bible is telling us. Amen. And it says, yeah, it says we are of God. He who knows God hears us. Amen. He who is not of God does not hear us. 
So he says, look, not everybody's going to accept this because some people will write you off. And, I, and, I, and I, I cannot tell you how many people just brush this off as if, you, as if this does not exist. He says, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And verse 19 says, we are of God, amen, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So it says the system of the world, the whole world is under the influence and the sway of the wicked one, amen. The system of the world is under the sway and the influence. That's why, child of God, you are different, amen. You are different. Christian, you are different. And that's why the message that we carry of salvation is so radically different and why the devil hates the message of the cross. Why? Because it does not submit to the spirit of this age. It does not agree that, uh, by the, the system of the world that sways men to and fro every which way. Amen. Now, now, now let me just say this is that God never ends anything on a negative. So when the church leaves planet Earth, amen, you are not going to be leaving a, 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 a woke and broke. You're going to be leaving, you're going to be leaving the earth with authority, with power. We will, we will leave this place overcoming. We will leave this place the way God has intended it. And the picture we have is of those coming out of Egypt in the book of Exodus, that they came out in authority. They came out blessed. They came out on top, amen. They came out with the gold and silver of the Egyptians. And that's exactly how God expects us to live. That we don't submit to the narrative of this age and tell us that we can do nothing. We, are, we acknowledge what is happening in the world and we acknowledge who we are in Jesus and we are here to overcome. We are here to dominate. We are here to live with the authority that God has given us. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Because the devil wants to steal from God's people, but we will not back off from that. I'm not the same as the world. You are not the same as the world. God's people are different from the world. Amen. So, so let, me, let me get to, I'm only on the first two verses now. But, but listen, so, so, so let's, let's, let's get real here. Let's talk, what, what is... Jacinda Ardern, the New Zealand Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau and Harvey's Cabinet, and President of France, Macron, plus his Cabinet, what is Putin? What is our Minister of Health, Greg Hunt? What is Angela Merkel, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg have in common? And the list goes on and on and on. What do they have in common? Well, they're all protégés of the man who heads up the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. They're all protégés, all of them, plus many, many more. Now, some of you won't even know what the World Economic Forum is. Well, that's a forum that every one of the world leaders goes to every year, that our PM was a guest speaker at last year. Reality. These are realities. These are the ones that are influencing world thinking. Right? So, so, and there's hundreds and hundreds of others. So, let, 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 let me show you this one-minute clip 
from 2017 of Klaus Schwab talking about who, this is, only, this is now 2017, right? I'm going to show you things. Are you ready for this or should I not show you? <laughs> and listen, please don't become Looney Tunes after seeing this, please. Please. All right. That's all I'm saying. Because our focus is always Jesus. But I understand this. If you don't understand what is going on, you will never, you will continuously submit to the narrative of this age to tell you to be average, to shut up and just be average. To not dream bigger. To not think bigger. Amen? So let's watch this first clip. Um, when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Brazi of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I would know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world economy right. form. And that's true in Argentina too. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. Mm -hmm. I'm here with the president, with a young global leader. But what is important? Okay, so you see there, it says, we have penetrated the cabinets. Right? So let's watch the next one, what the World Economic Forum is, what their advert is. Now, I show you this because... We're going to get to the Word of God to show you who you really are in Christ. But this is to show you what is influencing the thinking out there. Amen? So this is their advert to promote their Davos events last year. Let's watch the next one. This is not a drill. We've all heard the warnings, but for too long now, the critical issues have fallen by the wayside. You all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? It's clear that we have had a tremendous amount of benefit, but we've left a lot of people behind. The world has been coming to terms with the risks of unfettered capitalism, the realities of climate change, and vast societal shifts that have left so many behind. We have homelessness at staggering rates, one of the highest rates of youth suicide in the OECD. And in that struggle, wasted time has allowed trust to arise. Road. The greatest danger is the destruction of trust in presidents, in prime ministers, in political parties, in democracy itself. We need to seize the opportunity to address the systemic flaws and make the future work for us all. In the 50 years since Klaus Schwab convened the first meeting, the world has changed dramatically. If capitalism is going to sustain itself, it's going to provide secure jobs. It has to distribute wealth evenly, and it has to make a contribution to the common good. That's why this year's forum sees the launch of a new Davos Manifesto, and it's a powerful opportunity to change business as usual. We need a system that is based around core capabilities for absolutely everybody in this century to flourish and take part. While the Western liberal economic order has reaped huge benefits, it's been too narrowly focused on the interests of shareholders. 
That's why the Forum is pushing for stakeholder capitalism, a model where corporations are oriented to benefit not just shareholders, but all stakeholders. Customers, suppliers, employees, local communities. And this isn't just some fantasy idea that only benefits consumers. It's got major buy-in from serious economists, the big four accounting firms, and the banking sector. Innovation historically has been the result of a collective effort. This idea that you're maximizing shareholder value and not stakeholder value didn't actually help us get, you know, the nanotech, the biotech, the internet revolution. Health, well-being, education, gender equality, reduced inequality. We need to improve and build a better world for the future. Many of the people who are changing the world are young people. The disruptors are going to be the people that change the world. With half of the population below 27 years old, we have to listen to the young people and stop what we will do. Because we're all in this together. So help us build a fairer world. As kids, what can we do right now? Each and every one of us can make a difference. And each and every one of us on this planet, we do make an impact every single day. Click the link. Use the hashtag, record a video and have your say. Make your voice heard at the World Economic Forum. Sounds good, right? You can work, invest and all that, but what you have done is irrelevant because it's all about stakeholders. This is stuff that is communism through and through. With Western garb. Now... Could you, could you hear that properly? Was the sound okay? Okay. So there's a guy called Yuval Harari, who is the top advisor to this organization, WEF. He's the top spokesman, who says human beings are hackable animals, and that their goal is to hack humans to control their direction. In effectively, in effect saying that there is no God, we are God, and that we will determine through technology how people act and how people think. Amen? You want to hear him? Let's hear him. And that's the last one, and I'll continue. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Free will, that's over. That's over. Over. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized. Everything is being monitored. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste because a crisis is an opportunity to also do re good reforms that in normal times people will never agree to. But in a crisis, you see we have no chance, so, 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 so let's do it. The vaccine won't help us go the to the test, of course. The vaccine will help <laughs> us, of course. It will make things, you know, more manageable. Surveillance, people could look back in a hundred years 
and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This, I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. Natural selection is replaced by intelligent design. The era of inorganic life is now beginning. In the coming decades, AI and biotechnology will give us godlike abilities to re-engineer life and even to create completely new life forms. We are about to enter a new era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. Our intelligent design. Amen. Now, you see, when you watch stuff like this, you will understand that whilst many Christians just tend to brush things off and don't understand the spiritual ramifications of things, there are people running governments and influencing governments that think very differently to the average Christian. Because the average Christian has been so programmed to believe it's all about me, it's all about me, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, instead of understanding that God purpose, God designed. So what these guys are saying are very dangerous, right? Now some of you may have never even heard of these people, but they are the prominent people influencing our world. But for the church. But for the church. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, because what is important why I show you that, because hopefully it shocks people. And I really was in two minds in showing this. Could, could people handle this? But we need to be shocked to some reality, to understand where the power really is. I'm not a hackable animal. Amen. I'm made in the design of God. I'm made in the image of God. Amen. I'm spirit, soul, and body. So they can try and do their best. They can try. They will influence minds. But I want to tell you that the one in me is greater than the one who is in the world. That's what you have to understand. So Paul the Apostle writes in Ephesians chapter 1. And that's what I want to get to. So, so that's just a bit of a preamble to get us to the place to say, God, increase my capacity. Amen. Increase who I am so I can stand firm and be prosperous and be used of you in this day, in this hour. Amen. So therefore, Paul says in verse 15, Ephesians 1, he says, therefore, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope 
scope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He used when He rose Jesus from the dead? So Paul the Apostle says, he says, man, I, I pray that, that God would enlighten your eyes, that you begin to see who you really are in Christ. Amen. And that has got to be the prayer of the church. That's got to be the prayer of our lives every single day. God, will you reveal yourself to me? Reveal who I am in Christ. Reveal who Christ is in me. Amen. We need to understand the power that is in us is so great and so immense and so glorious that nothing can withstand it. But as long as we don't pray these prayers and say, God, reveal yourself to me for who you really are. We, we are just playing in ankle deep water. Amen. So we need the grace of God more than ever before. And so what you see ultimately is what you will become. What you see is what you will follow. That's why the system of the world is so intense at this stage. And let me just say this, that, that when, he, when he spoke there about under the skin, he's not talking about the vaccine. He's talking about a mark that will come in the future that no one could buy nor sell. Amen. That's what he's talking about. Just to get uh, some of you off this, this high Amen. That's not the mark of the beast. He's talking about something else, which will become that. But that's why we need revelation like we've never had before. That's why we need to understand who we are in Jesus uh, that we've never had before. So when you see the plan of God, uh, it will cause you to change according to the image of God, not according to man's image. Because man's image is corrupt. When a man says that, 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 that we are controlling everything, that, that, that you will own nothing, that means somebody will own something. And something will direct your life. Either it's going to be the Spirit of God or the Spirit of this age, which is an Antichrist spirit. So, so the reality is this, that, that religion is also another thing that, that wants to uh, oppress us and push us into this thinking of don't think too big, don't dream too big, don't step out and believe God, amen. Uh, uh, you're overboard, uh, you're too passionate for God, amen. Come on, that's what religion does. That's what the, the spirit of this age does. But when God gets hold of you, He says to you, don't stop dreaming. When God gets hold of you, He says, I want you to understand who you are in Christ. I want you to understand that you can do anything, amen, because I'm with you, amen. That's what happens when God gets hold of a man or a woman. And I want to tell you in these days, God needs to get hold of the church because people are falling everywhere, leaders, ministers, churches, etc. It's time that we stood firm and understand who we are in Jesus. Amen. You know, surrender to God doesn't mean you lose your brain. It doesn't mean that you give up, that you dream less. It means that we dream more. So we conform to the image that we see. So the more we look at Jesus, the more we will become like Him. The more we look at the world system, the more we will become like them. But you see, when a guy like, like, like Abraham at the age of 75, God speaks to him 
And, and God doesn't say to him, Abraham, you're 75 now. It's time to retire. At 75, God speaks to Abraham. He says, go to the land. I will show you. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing to the families of the earth. That's what God says. And I want to tell you, no matter where you are in life, whatever status you're in in life, whatever stage you're in in life, God is calling His church to step out and to dream bigger, to go bigger, to increase the capacity on the inside that we see what God sees. Amen. Otherwise, we're going to become mindless people in a system that actually just wants to pacify you, not to dream. Amen. I said to the young men on Wednesday, some of the young men that were with us, yeah, on, on, on Wednesday, I said, you know, young men, you have, in, you have an, an amazing amount of ten, testosterone in your system, right? It does deplete as you get a bit older. I said, I said to them, testosterone is not so that you can have great sex. Testosterone in your system as a young man is so that you've got fire inside your belly to dream bigger, to believe bigger, to increase your capacity, to increase your business, to do what you've never done before. Amen. But the world has made it all about sex. It's who I am. I'm the stud. No, you ain't the stud. You're nothing. You've got fire inside of you to dream bigger. Amen. To do bigger things for God. That's why God gives it. Amen. God doesn't give it to you so you can grow your hair, change your name, and join the women's swimming team so you can win their races. Amen. God gives it to men so they can actually increase and grow and dream and believe bigger. That's why God gives it. <laughs> Amen. And that's why we have it. That's why we have it. God gives women estrogen. It, 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 it makes them incredible, uh, uh, amazing people. Not weak but that brings a dimension that, that men don't have. And that's why we've got to get out of the thinking of the world to tell you that you are nothing, that you're passive, that you're neutral, you can't dream, amen. The government will do everything for you. No, the government's not going to do everything for you. God has called us to dominate. God has called us to be fruitful and multiply, to subdue, to have dominion. That's why God has called the church. You can read it in the book of Genesis, amen. It's to be fruitful and multiply. Amen. Genesis chapter 15. Are you with me this morning? <laughs> Amen. Hey, listen, you know, we got to challenge this thinking big time. I just cannot believe how many people have become passive. And I'm not saying you must be aggressive. I'm just saying don't lose your fight. Don't, dream, don't lose your dream. Dream bigger than you've ever dreamed. Amen. Genesis 15 verse 1. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a dream, in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield, your exceeding great reward. This is at like 75 plus. God comes to him and says, I am your, your reward. I'm with you. And Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? See, now go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So, so Abraham says to God, he has, he has a connection with God. And you know, when God asks you to do something, I, I suggest that you ask God back and say, God, you want me to do this now. Give me the stuff I need to fulfill this. It's a relationship. Right? God actually wants you to talk to Him. 
So, so Abraham pushes back with God. God says, I'm going to bless you. And, and Abraham says, okay, great that you want to bless me, but I don't have a child. He pushes back. Are you willing to push back with God? Are you willing to engage with God? If God asks you to overcome in this world, if God asks you to increase your business, if God asks you to increase your home sale, I, I dare you to push back with God, to say, God, you want me to do this. I know I have this dream. Lord, give me the ability. Give me the fire. Give me the tools. Give me whatever I need to fulfill this dream. And he says yeah. He says, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, the one born in my house is my heir. Verse 4, he says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, uh, um, uh, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And here's what God does. So God actually tells him what's going to happen. But verse 5 is the key. So it says, He brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. So what does God do? God takes Abram outside of his tent, his security blanket, his little structure. He takes him outside. He says, come, get out of your tent, come. And he made him look up at the stars, right? And he says, if you're able to number them, he says, so shall your descendants be. Yeah, is the challenge of life, is that we become very secure in our bubble. And our bubble is the thing that's preventing us from seeing what God has got for us. Amen. What God has got for the church. And I believe that God is asking and challenging His church to step out of the bubble and stop looking at the tent roof, but to step out and look at the stars and see God, they are so numerous and God, I'm going to believe bigger and dream bigger than I've ever dreamed before. Amen. You may have lost your job because of mandates. I want to encourage you, step out of that bubble and say, God, I see the stars. I see all that you've done. I can see what you're going to do. Lord, I'm going to dream bigger. Amen. Or maybe your, your business has been under pressure or you don't know what to do. Step out of your bubble and say, God, I'm going to dream bigger. I'm going to see bigger. Amen. Maybe your health is under pressure. Step out of that bubble and say, God, if you are able to make all those stars, I know that you're able to heal my body and make me an instrument of healing. I'll tell you what, this is who we are in God. Amen. We've got to increase our capacity. Step out of our tent and look at the stars and see what God is doing. Amen. Are you with me this morning? I hope I'm stirring your faith. Because we can either submit to the narrative of the world that wants to clone you and force you into a mold, or we can say, God, I'm stepping out of that tent. I'm going to dream bigger. There's no fear in me. You are with me. Hallelujah. I'm not going to be caught up in all these things. I acknowledge and I see what they're trying to do. But God, I thank you that I have a purpose. I have a passion. I have a, a dream. I have something ahead of me, and I'm going to believe you for that. Amen. And it says in verse 6 that he believed the Lord, and it was accounted to him. For righteousness. So what is your tent? What is your tent today? What is confining you? Is it your experience? Is it your past? Is it your thinking? Is it fear? Is it uncertainty? Is it because you're reliant on the system? What is your tent? What is it that God is asking you to step out of today and to look up and to see what He has for you. God has got more for you. 
God has got more for His church. God has got more for your family. God has got more, but I believe that He wants to expand our thinking, expand our capacity. Amen. He wants to expand who we are. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. Amen. You know, uh, uh, we're going to just drop a couple of scriptures here. And um, uh, I, I, want, I, want to, I want to, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 11 and I'm going to finish off soon. It says this, God says to Jeremiah, do you remember Jeremiah is in, the land of captivity. They are captive. And God says to Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, now I know that we quote these scriptures to make us feel good. But sometimes we don't understand the context of these scriptures. Jeremiah, along with the people of God, were in captivity. Yes, what God says to Jeremiah He says, I know the thoughts, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. How can God say that to a people who are held captive by by, uh, foreign forces, by the Syrians, that are treated less than dirt, as less than dirt? How can He say? Because God is not bound by what happens on the earth. Amen. And all God is looking for is a people who will believe Him. That's why He says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Thoughts of of, of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And verse 12 says, then you will call upon me and you will pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You see, God is calling the church, I believe, to, to begin to live this. God says, I've got a future for you. God says, I've got plans for you. But I'm asking you, church, to seek me with all of your heart. I'm asking you to get back to me. Acknowledge what is happening in the world, but get back to me. Get your focus back on me. Get your focus back on who I am. Get your focus back on that I am the great God, that there's nothing too difficult for me. Amen. Because God says to Jeremiah the same thing. He says, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? And I'll tell you what our answer is. No, there's nothing too difficult for God. Because greater is He that is in me than the devil who is in the world. Amen. And so as I come to a close, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to Him, say now to Him, who is able. Come on. Well, let's say it together. I know, uh, I know it's some of your first week back at church for a while. Amen. But, uh, and I know you may be bombarded with a lot of stuff this morning. But I, I, I really think that it's time for maturity in the body of Christ. I just think it's time that we, we wise up. And we understand what's going on and we understand what God's response is to us. Now to him who is able, Ephesians 3.20, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. I dare you today to ask God for big things. I dare you today to ask God for amazing things. I dare you today to ask God to do supernatural things in your life. Because now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or imagine, according to the power that works in us. What power is working in you? 
the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. It's the same power that was there at the beginning of creation when God said, let there be light. It's that same power that works within the church. Amen. Come on. It's the same power. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. It's time to ask. It's time to imagine bigger. It's time to get out of your tent. Time to get out the bubble and start looking up and start dreaming. Start dreaming big dreams for God. Start dreaming big things for your business. Start dreaming big things for the church. Start dreaming big things. Say, God, bless us. Prosper us. Amen. Oh, God, we want to reach a city. We want to reach a nation. All things are possible. Amen. I'll tell you what, that God's answer to everything is revival in the church. Amen. He's revival in His people because greater is Jesus in us than the devil who is in the world. Amen. And as we come to a close, last two scriptures. Psalm 18, verse 36. The band can come up. You are up. Amen. Shows you. I get very focused. Psalm 18, verse 36. The psalmist writes, he says, For you enlarged my heart. You enlarged my path under me, so my feet did not slip. See, I believe that for those who are hungry for God, the days are over that we're going to walk this tightrope, that we're thinking that I'm just going to slip off and, man, if this doesn't work out, it's going to come to nothing. I believe that God is enlarging the platform beneath you so that you're not going to worry that you're going to slip off of it. He says, for you have enlarged my path so that my feet did not slip. The church doesn't have to walk a tightrope. You don't have to walk a tightrope. You don't have to walk a tightrope of fear. What happens if this doesn't work out? Oh, what about believing and saying, God, you've enlarged my path underneath me. You've enlarged my platform. Oh, God, I'm not going to slip. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to live with a sense of fear and insecurity because, God, you've enlarged my path. I want you to get this. I tell you, if you get this, you understand that God is enlarging your path, that you will prosper. No matter what goes on in the world, God will prosper you. God will use you. God will ignite the fire on the inside of you. He will enlarge your path so that you can believe God for big things in the midst of the world that is crooked and perverse. Amen. God wants to bless you. Psalm 119 verse 32. He says, I will run the course of your commandments for you, for you shall enlarge my heart. I'll tell you what we need in these days is an enlarged heart an enlarged capacity for God. Amen. Our God is so big. Our God is so strong. Our God is so mighty. There's an old Sunday school song. Amen. My God is so big. My God is so mighty. My God is so strong. He says, you shall enlarge my heart. We need an enlarged heart. The days of just having this little place for God, it's over. We need an enlarged heart, an enlarged spirit, an enlarged capacity for this amazing God that we serve.
Oh God, we love you. We worship you.